Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. You can stick it to the man and big tech. Join our FTL social mastodon at social.freetalklive.com. What is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. Although, for the first little bit, you're just going to have myself, Nate Thurston, Charlie, will be here joining us later on. Got to tell you, the Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash with fees of less than a penny per transaction. Dash is made for spending. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month for this sponsorship. It's easy to get and use Dash, and you can learn more at Dash.org. That's Dash.org. Well, we got a lot to talk about tonight, we got this Senate border deal, which is already dead, although we're still going to go through it in detail to see why exactly this so-called border securing deal is already dead. We're going to be doing Dumb Leap of the Week, which means we're going to be going through a bunch of really, really dumb things that happened in politics over the last week that were submitted by our live group. That's the Fed Haters Club. And they send in those submissions, we go through them, and then they get to vote on them to see which one is the dumbest. We take those all the way down to the end of the year, we do a tournament challenge, and the winner gets a trophy for Dumb Bleep of the Year at the end of the year. Last year, the winner was uh, was Spike Cohen for the submission, uh, but it was actually a situation with the Hernandez family going on in Georgia. You want to go back and find that. And by the way, you can find that on our podcast, Good Morning Liberty. I know it might be confusing because this show that we do at night on this Tuesday night is called Liberty at Night. Why? Because it wouldn't make sense if we did a show called Good Morning Liberty and you were listening to it at 8 p.m., right? This doesn't make much sense. So our daily show that we do is called Good Morning Liberty, and you can find that on your podcast app, wherever it is that you get your podcast. We have a merch store. You can go to GodHatesFeds.com, GodHatesFeds.com, and get yourself a God Hates Feds t-shirt. I know God doesn't actually hate anyone. It's a joke. But if he was, let's be honest, I mean, it, it would be Feds. We all know that. And then, of course, I mentioned the, the Fed Haters Club. Well, they get to put in these submissions for Dumb Leap of the Week, which we'll be doing at the end of hour two and then all the way throughout hour three of tonight's show. And they are they join that group by going to joingml.com. It might not seem that important, $7 a month, you know, so you can hang out live with us every single day of the week when we're doing the show. But it is very important. It's what keeps the lights on. It's what helps us keep putting out this great content uh, every day. So uh, let's get started. I had a great weekend. It was my wife's birthday over the weekend. Got some friends together, played some games. It was a good time. So I hope you had a great weekend as well. If this is your first time listening, I will say normally there's two of us 
and the two of us have been best friends for 20 years and have a good time going back and forth on this stuff, all right? So if you want to go back to an older show and listen to that, you're more than welcome to do so. Just be aware. This is not what we normally sound like, okay? But if you do like what you're hearing, smash the follow button, the subscribe button, give us a like on a YouTube video or whatever. Most of the time, you can watch these videos within a couple hours after the podcast comes out, so you can go actually watch this video, which could be useful today because I'm going to be going over some of the text from this new bill that just dropped from the Senate, and maybe it would be helpful to have a visual aid for you, so you can go find this. There's a link in the show notes for that, by the way, and of course... If you want to visit any of the fine websites of any of our glorious sponsors, go do that. I mean, we got sponsors that have been sponsoring us for a long time. You know the content that we cover on this show. Not exactly the easiest stuff to get a lot of people to put their name behind. So just consider it, okay? All right, the big news that everyone is talking about today is this so-called so-called border bill that's going to fix our immigration system. And that's the thing that we are looking at. Like like President Biden said, we've reached an agreement on a bipartisan deal. Normally that means it's bad. In this case, it also seems to hold true that it's bad. He said, we've reached an agreement on a bipartisan deal that includes the toughest and fairest set of border reforms in decades. And it includes support for Ukraine and Israel and provides humanitarian assistance for the Palestinian people. By includes support for Ukraine and Israel, what he means is that's the biggest part of the bill. Um, in fact, if you wanted to like look through some of the numbers, what you would see is that there's $60 billion for Ukraine. There's $14 billion for Israel. There's another $10 billion for humanitarian aid uh, for these countries or for Palestinians or Gazans or whatever you want to call them. It's an $84 billion war funding bill that mentions immigration for 50 pages out of the 370 pages of the bill. And by the way, there's no paid for in this bill. You know, sometimes they look at ways that they can pay for things. No, this is just $118 billion in new debt that we're going to be taking out and nothing's really going to change. We'll talk more about the Ukraine and the Israel thing later on. For the first part, we'll be talking about what's going on with the immigration section of this bill. Before that, though, we're going to watch a video where Senator Chuck Schumer is describing the dire circumstances that we'll all find ourselves upon if we don't pass this bill. Things like uh, American troops fighting Russia, uh, stuff like that. So I think that we should listen so we know just how important this here bill is. And for everyone listening right now, I'm going to hit it over to the soundboard. There we go. Closely with Leader McConnell on this, this bill, now that we see what's in it, seems to be as bipartisan as it gets. Why wouldn't this, why wouldn't both sides really want this to go through? Well, it's a great question, Mika. Look, it took a long time, four months of arduous negotiations. They fell off the tracks a whole bunch of times. I had to be on the phone even at midnight saying, we've got to keep going. Why? We're at a turning point in America. This bill is crucial, and history will look back on it and say, did America fail itself? Why is it crucial? Well, if we don't aid uh, Ukraine, Putin will be walk all over Ukraine. We will lose the war, and we could be fighting in Eastern Europe and a NATO ally in a few years. Americans won't like that. 
If we don't help Israel defend itself against Hamas, that perpetual war will go on and on and on. If we don't help humanitarian aid to the starving Palestinians in Gaza, hundreds of thousands could starve. And the border, everyone has said it's chaos. A speaker, you just saw Speaker Johnson, he said it's mm -hmm. chaos, we have to do something legislative a few months ago. But what has happened, in answer your, to que your question, so this is crucial for America, it's a turning point. History is going to look over our shoulders and say, did we rise to the occasion? To his credit, Mitch McConnell did. But too many Republicans, yeah. including Speaker Johnson, are just scared to death of Donald Trump. Donald Trump has said he wants chaos. Donald Trump has said, well, wait till I become president. That'll take at least a year. Ukraine could be gone. The border will get much worse. War in the Middle East will get worse, maybe bring, bringing, bringing us into it. He's doing it all for political reasons. And let me just say, will senators, the crucial question, the $64,000 question, the majority of Republican senators know this bill is the right thing to do. It's a compromise. I don't like everything in it. Neither does McConnell. But it's a compromise. That's the only way you get things important done in the Senate. We proved that two years ago in our bipartisan legislation. And will the senators drown out the political noise from Trump and his minions and do the mm -hmm. right thing for America? It's a crucial question. History will, is looking down on every one of us right now. I think that's true. History will look down on every one of us right now, but not for the reasons he thinks. So if you go through his logic that he just laid out, if we don't give Ukraine this money, this $60 billion, then they're going to lose the war. We could end up being over there fighting Russia in NATO countries. What we don't have is any kind of clear path to victory for Ukraine with this money, just like with the other money that we've already given to Ukraine. And we know that some of it's been stolen by corrupt people in Ukraine. Several reports talking about that. We don't have a clear path of how this $60 billion is going to win the war. No one is saying that Ukraine is definitely going to win this war. But if we don't borrow this money and give it to them, then we'll just end up fighting Russia and one of our NATO ally countries. And then with Israel, well, they're not going to be able to hold back Hamas if we don't give them this. Is anyone talking about how Israel just doesn't have the firepower to fight against Hamas? They just don't have the money. They just don't have the firepower. They don't have the weapons. There's nothing that they can do. No, we're just... We're just assuming that we just have to give them money. It's more like a signal to them that we're behind them, really, than them actually needing it. They've got a better debt-to-GDP ratio than we do. And then on top of that, we're also talking about giving, I believe it's $3 billion in humanitarian aid to Gaza, which is the other side of the war that we're going to help fund with the $14 billion. So we're going to be paying for both sides of it. And we all know, like people are saying in the group right now, that doesn't mean that the people in Gaza, the starving people in Gaza, are going to get the money. It's been a really tough time actually getting money to in the people's hands or that's actually going to benefit the citizens that live there. It's going to go to Hamas. Now, they have to do a report later on to see how much of it went to Hamas, but it doesn't say anything about how that's going to stop us from giving them money or anything in the future. We're just going to someday see a news story saying that uh, $1.5 or $2 billion of it went to Hamas or more. And it'll be a news story for about two hours. And then we'll go on to something else afterwards. And that's what we see with this war funding bill. I'm going to, it's a, it, this is a war funding bill, $84 billion at least to fund two different wars and multiple sides of the war. And then they're going to throw in this little immigration kicker on top of that.
The only reason they're really throwing this in is to try and get Republicans to vote for it. They throw in the Israel thing. Maybe we can get some Republicans to vote and we can also send Ukraine aid at the same time. And it also kind of absolves them of this talking point of this is Biden's border crisis because they can say, well, we tried to fix the border and Republicans just didn't want to. Just like how Chuck Schumer just ended right then saying that Trump wants chaos. This is all on Trump and his minions. But then when you actually look at the bill, it it doesn't do anything to solve the border problem. And I say this every single time. This is a libertarian podcast. We have a very nuanced opinion when it comes to immigration. But one thing I don't have a nuanced opinion on is when people are lying about things. And even if I maybe disagree with some of the strongest border hawks that there are out there, I also don't like it when politicians use lies as talking points and try to present this bill as something that it's not. So we're going to talk about this today as if we just actually wanted the border crisis to be shut down and we wanted it to be stopped. Does this bill do that? The clear answer is no. No, it doesn't do that. It actually codifies what's happening right now into law. You know that talking point of Biden's not following the law And so, therefore, we have to do something. What this essentially does is take what's happening right now and puts it into law. That way you can't say that Biden's not following what the immigration laws are. It essentially says, well, you know, as long as it's not more than 5,000, what are you going to do about it? This this is the law says that we're going to allow this many people over the border. So there you go. Let's go through some of this. I did pull up a news story because I wanted to see... I wanted to see the points of the bill without having to read the whole thing. And it turns out I ended up needing to read all of the immigration section and some of the other stuff a couple times to get a good grasp on it because the news reports on it are all over the place and don't cover the points very well. But here's one from CBS. It says, Senators release border Ukraine deal that would allow the president to pause U.S. asylum law and quickly deport migrants. Doesn't really do those things, but let's talk a little bit about what CBS had to say about it. If the bill is passed by Congress and signed into law by the president, the federal government would gain a new sweeping emergency authority to reject most migrants when crossings along the southern border reach certain thresholds. Now, what do they mean by reject? That's not really something you can find in this bill. During this time that the border is emergency shut down, they don't say that they're just going to turn turn away every person, that they're going to put them on a bus and take them back to Mexico, or that they're going to force them to wait in Mexico while they're processing asylum claims that remain in Mexico policy, nothing like that. They actually don't line out what they're going to do to shut down the border, other than they're not going to be processing these asylum claims in the illegal places that people are entering. Presumably what they're going to do is they're going to put people on a bus and take them to one of the legal ports of entry, and allow them to do their asylum claims through that area, uh, which they say must still stay open, even when the border is emergency shut down. We'll talk about that more when we're going through the text on the bill. The power could be activated on a discretionary basis after average daily border crossings are over 4,000 over a seven-day period. The federal government would be required to use the authority when daily average border crossings reach 5,000 over seven days, or if there are 8,500 in a day. The power, which Mr. Biden has referred to as an authority to shut down the border, 
would allow the president to effectively pause asylum law, which currently allows most migrants on U.S. soil to request asylum, even if they entered the country illegally. Like I said, what they're going to do is they're going to take them down to one of the legal ports of entry, and they actually have a minimum amount of inadmissible immigrants or migrants or whatever aliens that they have to process every day, a minimum amount, not even the maximum amount there. There's a minimum of 1400 that they have to process every day during this time that the border is shut down. So it says that they have to keep doing it, even with inadmissible migrants, migrants who illegally cross into the U S when this power is invoked would not be allowed to seek asylum. They would be some summarily deported from the U.S. unless they pass screenings for forms of humanitarian refuge that are more difficult to obtain. They're going to take them back over to one of the border crossings, and it, that's where it's going to happen. The, those who enter the U.S. illegally repeatedly when this power is invoked would be banned from the country for one year. All right, let's see. Let's see how they do that. It's going to be pretty difficult when people have no identification and you don't know where they came from, the way that you're going to... But, but, they say if you try to do it repeatedly, you got one year, no, no immigration for you, one year. The authority would sunset after three years. There would also be limits on the number of days on which this power can be used. This is a really weird one that I did not understand. There's a limit of days that this power can be used. Now, if this is a, a border securing bill, wouldn't it be important Year round. It kind of seems like a year round thing that you would want your border to be secure if that is, in fact, one of the goals of the law that you're passing. Like that's a principle that you said is important. And so you want to try and keep the border secured all the time. This actually sets a limited number of days that this can be enforced each year. And it's less days each year until it sunsets in three years. So the first year is 270 days during the first year. So even if it crosses the threshold and they have to keep it closed for a long time, once it's at 270 days, this entire authority is gone out the window. There's an important thing that they messed up in here, and I actually heard someone else mess it up earlier today as well on a pretty big podcast. Uh, it says the emergency measure would be deactivated when the average m- number of daily border crossings drops by 75%. That is not what the text of the bill says. Uh, We'll talk about that once we get to that point. Now, Senator James Lankford, who is one of the authors of the bill, is upset that people don't like the bill. He tweeted out a little three-part thread here today. So I wanted to give his side of the story. Senator Lankford says, the Border Emergency Authority has been the most misunderstood or maybe just misrepresented part of the bill. Some people have said it would mean 5,000 people a day are coming into the country every day. That is absurd and untrue. This, the emergency authority is not designed to let 5,000 people in. It is designed to close the border and turn 5,000 people around. Well, not if it stays at or under 5,000 people. I mean, if you stay at, if you, if you stay at 4,999, then it says that's totally fine. And that rhymed. No, I didn't mean for it to, okay? The Border Emergency Authority only lasts three years to force this administration to shut down the border and to give time for the next president to hire more agents and more officers. After three years, the emergency authority expires because we should have regained full control of our border by then. Well, not when you have a provision in it that says 
if it's been closed the third year, I believe, is 180 days. So half the year, this is in effect. And if you're over this 5,000 for that amount of time, they keep it closed. And then after that, since there's a 180-day maximum amount that it could be closed, that's just wide open, and this provision doesn't matter at all. So I don't know why the border would be fully controlled by that time. That doesn't seem to make any sense to me. So let's get into it. This is in Title Three of this bill, 1 and 2, where Ukraine and Israel securing America, Border Emergency Authority. And that's where we are on this thing. Now, it says, these are some exceptions to this border emergency authority. It says, shall not be activated with respect to any of the following, a citizen or national of the United States. Okay, that's cool. An alien who is lawfully admitted for permanent residence. Okay, legal immigrant, whatever, C. C here is uh, an unaccompanied alien child. So they're not going to be counting unaccompanied minors in this. And then an alien who an immigration officer, this part's very unclear. I don't know if they mean asylum seeker on this or what. An alien who an immigration officer determines with the approval of a supervisory immigration officer should be accepted from the Border Emergency Authority based on the totality of the circumstances, including consideration of significant law enforcement, officer, public safety, humanitarian, and public health interests, or an alien who an immigration officer determines uh, in consultation with ICE should be accepted from the Border Emergency Authority due to operational considerations. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I don't know what that means either. Okay, but these are people that they're going to be exempting from this rule. Uh, the border, the border emergency authority shall only be activated as to aliens who are not subject to an exception under the previous stuff that we just read, and who are, after the authority is activated, within 100 miles of the United States southwest and land border, and within the 14-day period after entry. So, if you can get more than 100 miles away from the border, or you can hide out for two weeks, totally fine that this exemption happens several times. So 100 miles or two weeks, totally fine after that. All good. I'm assuming the 100-mile aspect uh, has to do with the Border Patrol's authority, the the part of the country that they actually have authority to operate in. So uh, what they mean with that are, say, both sides of, uh, you know, like Arizona, and then you get the... Texas and all that. They say Southwest and land border within the 14-day period. They name out all the states that this counts. Um, I didn't see them actually talking about the other, the northern border on this, but maybe they do talk about that. I don't know. All right, we're going to keep going through this uh, so-called border securing deal, which is actually just a war funding deal. Uh, If you think you heard some bad stuff in this segment, just wait for the next one. It gets even worse. Liberty Night on Free Talk Live. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented Made in America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. walloffire.com. 
Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I helped thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. USA News Update. A coalition of Republicans is endorsing a proposal asserting that Donald Trump did not partake in an insurrection. The biggest danger is the weaponization of government that's taken place in an effort to prevent President Trump from ever being president again. Texas Congressman Ronnie Jackson accused Democrats of propagating this misleading narrative. Tucker Carlson, the former Fox News host, has revealed he will soon release an interview with Russian President Vladimir Putin. The announcement follows Carlson being cited a number of times in Moscow over the weekend. Carlson asserted that he feels obligated to convey the truth about the ongoing conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Honda is issuing a recall of nearly 750,000 vehicles due to concerns regarding airbags that may deploy inadvertently during a crash. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has highlighted that the front passenger seat weight sensor might develop cracks and short circuit john schaefer usa news advertising is simple it starts with someone who has a need mom and then gets more specific mom i want pizza then we add urgency i want pizza tonight before you know it your gcn advertising message is reaching millions of listeners listeners who are definitely in need You see, advertising on GCN is simple. Your message meets their need, and the result means new business for you. Tell us about your business. Then let our super creative department go to work to craft just the right message to feed those who have an urgent need. We want pizza tonight! GCN has the most affordable national radio advertising rates, period. And millions of people listen to GCN radio programs on over 1,000 AM and FM and XM stations and streaming audio live. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just shoot us an email, advertise at GCNlive.com. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay heating pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay heating pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com, including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. Appreciate what we do? Help us advertise, market, and promote for just $5 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. All right, we are 
are back with Liberty at Night on the Free Talk Live Network. Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. We've been going through this uh, DOA border deal, which is actually a war funding deal that's uh, being concealed by stuff for the border in it. Very, very fine details here. Let's get back into them. Uh, In general, whenever the border emergency authority is activated, the secretary shall have the authority and the secretary's sole and unreviewable discretion to summarily remove from and prohibit in the whole or in part entry into U.S. into the U.S. of any alien identified in the subsection who is subject to such authority in accordance uh, people who are not in those exemptions. Okay, the secretary may activate the border emergency authority if... During a period of seven consecutive calendar days, there is an average of 4,000 or more aliens who are encountered each day. So that is a discretionary authority. If it goes over 4,000, they can choose to use this authority. If it goes over 5,000, what the next part says, they, they have to do it. Okay, so the secretary shall activate the border emergency authority if during a period of seven consecutive calendar days, there is an average of 5,000 or more aliens who are encountered each day or any one calendar day, a combined total of 8,500 or more aliens are encountered. Encountered is a very important word that they use quite a lot because this does not count what are known as gotaways. Uh, I believe Costco mentioned this earlier. So these are people that actually have encounters with the Border Patrol. There are thousands of other people who are able to get in get between the systems. You can see them on camera, but you don't exactly have encounters with Border Patrol uh, that we know about. So there's a known gotaways, and then there's the other gotaways that we can kind of assume also happened. Those don't count towards the number. Even if we can see on camera, if we can see on camera that there are 4,000 known gotaways that came through that didn't have an encounter with Border Patrol, that doesn't count towards the number that can shut down the border, just so you know. And then also unaccompanied minors don't count towards the border. And then there's some other rules for people uh, who are from South America uh, that don't count either. Uh, We'll we'll get into that a little bit more later on. Uh, In general, for purposes of these, the way that they write these things, I mean, I know it's a legal document, it's a law and all that, but good Lord. For purposes of those previous paragraphs, the average for the applicable seven-day period shall be calculated using the sum of the number of encounters that occur between the southwest land border ports of entry of the United States, the number of encounters that occur between the ports of entry along the southern coastal borders, um, and I didn't get the other part. The limitation, aliens described in the subsection from non-contiguous countries shall not be included in calculating the sum of aliens encountered. Non-contiguous countries, that's going to mean the places from South America. So we're just counting the contiguous countries, the places that are connected with the United States without our uh, imaginary border lines that we draw. Um, So once again, with not counting gotaways and even known gotaways towards the number, Unaccompanied minors, exemptions for people from non-contiguous countries. Um, you got a chance that there's going to be still thousands upon thousands of people that can come in and not even touch this law. So, like I said to start this out, they're actually taking what's happening right now and they're basically codifying it 
And there's some other weird stuff that's about to happen here, too. Let me see. Um, the secretary shall not activate the border emergency authority during the first calendar year after the effective date for more than 270 cal- <laughs> calendar days. So 270 days in the first year. After that, you do whatever. Seriously, the emergency authority is gone. Okay. The next year, 225 days. And in the third year, that's the year that uh, Senator Lankford just said that our border was going to be under control. No more than 180 calendar days. So a little bit less than half of the year. So if we blow out the first half of the year, the last half of the year is really open for a blowout because there's no more authority, emergency authority after that. I don't understand why you would decide to put a limit on the amount of days a year that you could enforce a law. Isn't that kind of weird? I mean, I know we get like tax-free holiday weekends and stuff like that, but this seems to be just a little bit different. You're saying that this is a super important thing and there's a border crisis and all that, but a little less than half the year, the rest of the year, yeah, you know, just kind of do whatever. I don't understand that part at all. Here's a very important part that I'm not hearing enough people talk about. I've got some questions when it comes to a legal document and the way that you word things in the document. So this section is suspensions of the authority. So remember, they shut it down after they have the seven calendar days where it's over 5,000. Okay, when do, you, when do you reopen it, right? Doesn't mean it's going to be closed forever. And by closed, they mean they're going to put people on buses and take them to legal ports of entry, I assume, because that's not really laid out in here. Suspensions of authority. The secretary shall suspend activation of the border emergency authority and the procedures not later than 14 calendar days after the date on which the following occurs, if applicable. So not later than 14 days after one of these things happens. So here we go. In the case of an activation, we'll just say uh, where they have to do it. Say it's over 5,000 and they don't have an option. They've got to shut it down. Okay. There is during a period of seven consecutive calendar days, an average of less than 75% of the encounter level described in that previous paragraph. Now, earlier, what we read from CBS and what I even heard Ben Shapiro say today was what CBS said that the emergency would be deactivated when the average number of daily border crossings drops by 75%. That's not what it says. It says when the number is less than 75% of the number that triggered the emergency authority. So, for instance, if it's 6,000, and that's the average over seven days, well, over the next seven-day period, because they've done such a great job shutting everything down, it would need to be below 4,500, and then they can reopen it back up. 75% of the number that triggered the emergency authority. Not a 75% decline in the number. In fact, the number needs to decline by 25.01%. So a little bit different there. And here's my question. It says that they have to suspend the emergency authority not later than 14 days after this happens. So they hit 75% of the encounter level used for activation. Here's my question. What if the encounter level used for activation was 8,000? Stick with me here. Say it was 8,000. And then you get 75% of that number the following week. 75% of that is 6,000. Does that mean that they reopen it that week? Because 6,000 is still technically above 
the 5,000 threshold. This document, this law, does not say 75% of the encounter level and less than the 5,000 threshold used to trigger the emergency authority. It being a it being a legal document, you think you would need to cover that. In fact, it doesn't even refer back to previous times where it stated the 5,000. I'm just saying, it, I would ask for more clarification on this if I were a senator. So if it's 8,000, they would need to drop it down to 6,000 to get it reopened. Now, say you run at 6,000 for a week after that. Well, that would trigger it to be closed again. And then it could drop down below 4,500, 75% of the number used to trigger the emergency uh, the week after that. And then everything's all fine. Now you can pump it back up to 8,000 the week after that and continuously go on this row of really heavy week, drop it down some, drop it down some, really heavy week, drop it down some, drop it down some. And in effect, what you have is a still a really, really high amount of people that are coming across the border in what used to be an illegal way. I don't know what you call it after this law gets signed. Now, I don't know for sure that it's going to go through. A lot of Republicans are saying, uh, like Mike Johnson, who is a real person, uh, he said that this is dead on arrival when it comes in. So maybe there's no way this goes through. Or maybe they change up just a couple things and it still goes through. Or maybe they kick in some more money for Israel and it still goes through. I don't know. I'm not really sure. Uh, Someone in the group, for everyone listening, the uh, Fed Haters Club, by the way, just said that we should let the states do whatever they want. We'll play uh, what Governor Greg Abbott is claiming has happened at Eagle Pass uh, since they started putting up their razor wire and they took control of this area. Maybe that's a way that you protect the border. I don't know. I'm just speaking to people who are concerned about the border problem, think it's a border crisis, think that maybe we should have a secure border. And the question to me is, is that what this bill does? Because Democrats are out there saying, well, we offered them a way to secure the border. This is a harsh law that gives Biden the authority to shut down the border. And they just don't want to do it because they want Trump to win the the election in November, and they don't want President Biden to be able to fix the border problem. And me, when I look at this, I see this does nothing to fix the border problem. You could still stay at 5,000 or one less than that every single day, and everything's fine. And I guess at that point, it follows the law, right? I don't know. Uh, Let's look at a couple other things. Emergency suspension of authority. Here's the other really interesting part. Now, this is a law. And it's signed and enacted by, by Congress, the people, the people's voices. But if the president finds that it is in the national interest to temporarily suspend the border emergency authority, the president may direct the secretary to suspend use of border emergency authority on an emergency basis. So if the border emergency authority has an emergency, then you trigger the super-duper double emergency powers that the president's going to have, and he'll be able to actually stop this law from even being able to do what it's supposed to be doing in the first place. Which to me is pretty dangerous if you're a Republican considering voting for this, and you think, 
well, maybe this is going to help Biden out. It could help him out to the election. Say he somehow wins re-election. He could just say, well, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah, we totally just did that so we could win the election. Pretty weird. Kind of weird. Let's see. Oh, here's the other part. Probably could have mentioned this earlier. During any activation of the Border Emergency Authority under subsection doesn't matter, the secretary shall maintain the capacity to process and continue processing a minimum of 1,400 inadmissible aliens each calendar day cumulatively across all Southwest land border ports of entry in a safe and orderly process developed by the secretary. Meaning that even when this is shut down, this is where I'm presuming and assuming that this means they're just going to be picking up people and taking them to uh, regular ports of entry. They have to process, it says minimum. There's no maximum. It doesn't say maximum amount of 5,000 or anything like that. It says a minimum of 1,400 inadmissible aliens each day while the emergency authority is in effect. Once again, a little bit weird for a border security law, in my opinion. Uh, for the purpose of calculating the numbers, the 5,000, the 4,000, uh, the secretary shall count all unaccompanied alien children who are nationals of contiguous countries processed at the South- Southwest land border ports of entry, but shall not count such children who are nationals of non-contiguous countries, which, once again, is weird. Why the difference? Why the difference between if you're from, a, if you're from Mexico or if you're from um, probably Argentinians, uh, you know, fleeing libertarianism. And that's definitely the other people who are coming in. Uh, why the difference in the way that you process those people? Why do some people count towards a number and other people don't? I don't know. Um, the See, with respect to the term, uh, encounter means you're physically apprehended by the U.S. CBP uh, within 100 miles of the southwest land border of the United States during the 14-day period immediately after entry between between ports of entry uh, or at the southern coastal borders during the 14-day period immediately after entry between ports of entry. So once again, it has to be within 100 miles and within two weeks. So you can just hide out or get 100 miles away. You're totally fine. No problem. Okay, Representative Dan Bishop uh, had a good things to say on this last part I wanted to mention. Here's another crazy part before we move on to something else. In this judicial review section, which comes right after the sections we were just uh, reading through, it says, notwithstanding any other provision of this act, judicial review of any decision or action in this section shall be governed only by the United States District Court for the District of Columbia, which shall have sole and original jurisdiction to hear challenges, whether constitutional or otherwise, to the validity of this section or any written policy directive, written policy guideline, written procedure, or the implementation thereof issued by or under the authority of the secretary. So of any of the regulations or rules uh, which the secretary has uh, the ability to write under this law, they don't go to the local district courts. The district court for the District of Columbia is going to have the sole jurisdiction over matters concerning this law. Okay. Uh, Dan Bishop said any challenges to the statute or any policy guideline or procedure my sees fit to issue will be heard exclusively 
by the federal district court in the swamp. Tough orders from federal district courts in Texas and Florida will be no more. So you're not going to hear about the fifth court issues this thing. Nope. Has to go through the one in D.C. I don't know, guys. If you're talking about securing the border, I wouldn't exactly say that this is what's going to do it. I I don't understand the whole thing of uh, up to 5,000 is fine. I don't understand the part where you're only going to do this for a limited amount of days during the year. Like if the border invasion is really bad and is shut down for 180 days, you just got to open it up after that. There's just no way you can keep it going. I don't understand why a law would do that. Why would you why would you set a limit on the amount of days that you can enforce a law? Someone tell me why. Now, Texas Governor Greg Abbott was on Fox News talking about what's happened in their area in Eagle Pass after they put up their razor wire and other barriers. Uh, so let's see what he had to say on that. Nope, not you, Chuck Schumer. Uh, let's go to Peter, Abbott. I um, want to get your take on the assessment at the border today. You know, you've got a border trip coming up. You are hosting several governors from across the country at the southern border today, correct? Can you tell us about it? Sure, that's correct. Maria, uh, more than half of the governors are now joined together uh, in support of a very important proposition, and that is uh, we are guaranteed by the United States Constitution the right of self-defense uh, if states face imminent harm or invasion. Texas obviously is facing both an imminent harm uh, as well as an invasion. Uh, and so these governors are rallying around Texas to support our ongoing right to self-defense. Uh, and, and the deployment of this razor wire that has led to uh, a, a massive reduction in inflow. Maria, get this. Uh, the area where we uh, have, have occupied this park in Eagle Pass, Texas, that we put up the razor wire, uh, there used to be 3,000 or 4,000 people crossing that area a day. Uh, for the past three days, we've averaged just three people crossing that area. The point is, if we put up resistance, we show that we can secure the border. Joe Biden should not be stopping that. Yeah. So that seems like a fairly easy solution. You know, um, what he basically said there was in Eagle Pass, there were three to 4,000 people coming through a day in this area. And since they put up their razor wire, there's no wall, but since they put up their razor wire, that's down to three. And I don't think that means that everyone's dying on the way to the razor wire or anything like that. I think that means that people realize that they couldn't just walk right through this area, that it was actually getting enforced. And I don't know, it seems like probably a cheaper option also if you just kind of enforce the current laws that there are right now. Anyone? No? Yeah, that's 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 probably what I would do. But since this may not pass because Republicans just want to be able to blame Biden for the border, and here he is trying to fix the border, since this probably isn't going to pass, don't worry. I know that you got super worried about Israel when I said that this probably wasn't going to pass because they just don't have any money and they don't have any weapons or anything like that. And so I know you're super worried about them immediately. Don't worry. Speaker Mike Johnson is putting a, sending the bill to the floor to send $17.6 billion to Israel with no corresponding spending cuts, which is a reversal meant to preempt the Senate's border and national security bill that they have now he's actually putting it in its own single bill 
beforehand, when they first put this out, they said that it had to be paid for, like they were going to take money away from the IRS to be able to pay for the money they were going to send to Israel. This one doesn't have a pay for. And this is so they can say, well, we still want to be able to help Israel. See, look at this bill that we have. I still would like to see the news reports saying that Israel is on its last leg. And there's just no, I don't know about you, but the news stories I've been seeing don't exactly back up the idea that Israel just can't do anything about Hamas. If the U.S. doesn't give them any money, if we don't send them more stuff, they're just going to fail this Hamas. You know, they're just way too tough for Israel to take out. You see them keep trying to blow stuff up and they just can't blow stuff up anymore, you know. So we got to send them $17.6 billion of our money that we're going to have to borrow and pay interest on, I haven't seen it. So this immediate need to say that we have to get involved by funding other people's wars, especially in a country like Israel, like I said, has a better debt-to-GDP ratio than we even do, why we should be taking out debt to send money to another country. This is no anti-Israel, anti-Semitic, nothing like that. This is anti-debt. This is anti-destruction of the United States, Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Thomas Massey comes out and he says, the speaker just announced that next week the House will vote on a clean bill to send Israel. He says 14.3 billion. It turns out they're actually asking for 17 point whatever it was billion. Um, Massey says Israel has a lower debt to GDP ratio than the United States. The spending package has no offsets, so it will increase our debt by 14.3 billion plus interest. Thomas Massey always votes against foreign aid bills. But this guy who got a lot of responses, okay, this is the ridiculous part. It may be a Dumbleep submission for Dumbleep of the Week on Friday. John Podhoretz says, of course you're a no, you disingenuous piece of anti-Semitic filth. (laughs) So you can be against sending money to Ukraine, or you can be against spending any kind of debt money all over the place, any way that they want to try and spend it, you're against it. But when you're against sending money to Israel, well, that's anti-Semitism right there for you. What are you going to do? We got a few news items to talk about. This uh, congressional hearing with the heads of the social media companies. The oligarchy. Yeah, all of the different monopolies in the social media sphere, multiple, multiple of them. Mm -hmm. And so they went up there and Congress people were making them feel bad because it it turns out Charlie social media, what they're saying is, is that it's uh, bad for kids and that they haven't done a good enough job protecting young people on the platforms. Now we don't have time to do it today, but next week, well, you're going to be gone for a few days next week. Mm -hmm. One of those days I'm going to do a long episode. We'll see. I might not be gone. Okay. Anyway, um, we're going to do a uh, long episode on how maybe that's true, maybe it's not, because it's not as easy as what some people are saying, that social media is just causing people to get depressed. If we believe it, we would believe a lot of other studies that just show a lot of correlation equaling causation. So I don't want to just Like chocolate making people fat? Well, okay, that could have maybe a direct effect. But should it's, we, it's potential. Should we ban know. chocolate, though? Well, no, probably not. Yeah. And in fact, a lot of people on the left are using clips from people on the right, grilling Mark Zuckerberg and others, to say, well, we should be doing the same thing to gun manufacturers because guns are harmful for kids. 
And so that's one of the big dangers. I want to play a couple clips from what happened. Like I said, next week, I'll probably spend some more time on this. This is Josh Hawley from Missouri talking to Mark Zuckerberg and eventually asked him to stand up and turn around and apologize to the families of kids that have died, you know, committed suicide, done, done whatever terrible thing happened, ask them to stand up and turn around and apologize to them. And he does mm-hmm. do that in this hearing. And then we have a clip from Lindsey Graham afterwards. And so we're going to be getting into that when we, when we get right back. Don't you go anywhere. Liberty and Night on the Free Talk Live Network. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. 